0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truth Point Church in West Palm Beach. We exist to point people to the truth of the gospel. Well, good morning again. Good morning. It's good to have you here. It's good to have you with us online as we continue Advent, as we continue our Advent series. Looking forward to, remember, Advent means coming. And we've talked about Christ is coming, and and these images of who Christ is. And this week's going to feel a little weird because it ought to. In fact, if it doesn't feel weird, I want to make it feel weird because it's it's we got Christ is coming, and the first thing we looked at is you know even when God first made the world, it wasn't perfected; that it was possible to go wrong. And somebody's going to come. God's going to come, and He's going to fix the whole world. And then in the fall, the world got got broken and cursed, and the world needs to be set free, and somebody's going to come and fix all the brokenness in the world. And in the first one, we also saw that evil was out there, and it was personal, and it wanted you. And right in the very beginning, it was there in the hints of Genesis, somebody's going to come and crush the head of the serpent. Yes, a conqueror. Yes. And then last week, we heard about a king is coming, and it was this great story of how Israel asked for a king, and God said, you don't want a king, but they got one anyways. And then the king did what, what God said he would. He ruled over them, and it was hard, and, the, and Israel was broken. And they weren't faithful, but God said, I will be faithful, and I will send a king who will rule righteously and perfectly, even though you guys didn't. And you're like, yes this is big. This is going to be great. I'm excited. Let's go. And what's that king going to be like? Like a lamb. What? Like a lamb. He's going to conquer like a lamb. He's going to fix like a lamb. Now, Google and I did some research together this week. We found out that you already know this is weird. So I searched Christian schools all across the U.S., and none of them have lambs as their mascots. <laughs> now, that's not completely true. There are some preschools, and they call themselves the little lambs. But basically, if a Christian school fields a sports team, they do not have lambs as their mascots. About 98% of them are either lions or eagles. And then you got a smattering of some other kinds of images. Some of them don't read history very well, and so they're crusaders. But there are just a variety of different, but there are no lambs. And as we get ready to read, it's going to be a very familiar, for those of you who are in the church, as we get ready to read here, it's going to be a very familiar text from Isaiah. You've probably heard it every single Easter. But the thing is, we hear it from the backside, and we, we think this is normal. We've got we to gotta figure out how this is weird. Remember, this is the same person, Isaiah, who we heard last week saying to Israel, you have departed from your God, and the fruits of your departure, the fruits of your sin are coming. God's people are going to get overrun by outsiders. The kingdom is going to get destroyed, and just a remnant of people are going to survive, and they're going to get taken into captivity. But then, no, God is faithful even though you were not, and He will bring a new king to you. So, this is Isaiah who's telling the people about the king who's coming, the, the, the salvation of God, the king who's going to rule in righteousness, the king who's going to rule. And now listen to this in that context here in Isaiah 53. And this is long, and we need all of it. But we don't need this. Isaiah 53, it's in your bulletin. You can pull it up in your Bible if you've got it, or you can just listen along. Who has believed what he's heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Open your word to us. Open our hearts to your word. Lord, help us to see it. Help us to see it as it was. Help us to see it as it was fulfilled in you. And help us to see it anew with fresh eyes in the way that it impacts our life. Right now, today, 2,000 years after this prophecy came true. In your name we pray. Amen. So this is interesting. Now, we hear it. One of the things that we have to remember when we go back in the Old Testament is it's often easy to forget that the Old Testament was the old church. This was all, these are our people. These are the people like us. The word is given to the people like us. And at times, from the other side of Jesus, we can almost take this position of how could you not see that coming? How could you not see that coming? And it's especially true, like the book of Isaiah, which is really, really long. If we only read four or five verses or four or five chapters out of Isaiah, it can seem like the whole message of Isaiah was all about a Jesus who lived and died and was resurrected like we saw. But actually, that's not what most of it looks like. If you read through Isaiah, these verses, these chapters really stand out. They're so different. And I, we don't know what Isaiah even thought about them. What we do know is that this sounded so different that people thought, that's got to be somebody else. The suffering servant language, one of the ways people try to figure out, we know this great king is coming, and he's going to be awesome. And it sounds like there's going to be somebody else that comes, and I'm glad he's coming because he's going to take all our sin for us, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be good to be him. Like we root for the king and we're thankful for the suffering servant, but it wasn't obvious, it doesn't seem to have been obvious to anybody that that was the same person. But it should have been obvious that something more was needed than just a king. Because if you remember, and this is something for us to think about, we can get so overwhelmed by the problems in front of us that we kind of forget the ones that are here all the time. So thinking about Israel, remember this was their life. They were a king excuse me, they were, they were a kingdom. They were ruled by a king. The, the king was in the line of David, but the kings kept failing and failing and failing. And so most of what they were concentrating on, most of what they were seeing was the big picture, the politics, the, the outside people that are coming and fighting against them, the internal conflict, the people within the country who were mixing their religion in with other religions and looked just like everybody else around them. But meanwhile... From way earlier than King David, sacrifices were continuing day after day after day. The temple, if you go read about what was going on in the temple, the temple would have been a place of constant death, constant sacrifice, because you and I as people within the kingdom, we would have had this constant, constant, constant responsibility to recognize every year I fall into sin, every day I fall into sin. Some sin is on purpose, some sin is accidental, and I need that sin, I need that guilt cleansed. And so at the temple, what was happening, the main centerpiece of the temple worship was constant sacrifice, was God saying, I will accept the blood of things like a lamb in place of your blood, which is the right consequence for your actions. And so even if a king had come and even if it had been restored and the temple gets rebuilt and that imagery of the temple going away would have been just mind-blowing to us back then. God's temple can't go away. This is God's temple. But it did. It got destroyed. But when it got rebuilt, what's it going to be rebuilt to? We have a great king and the temple is rebuilt. And so we can start anew. Sacrifice. 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 Sacrifice because still even with a new king every day i'd be taking on debt and taking on debt and taking on debt and it being god's grace that he was willing to look at the blood of lambs instead of ourselves would be unfulfilled and we'd be left we'd be left just doing that forever that can't be enough that can't be enough And what Isaiah is telling us here is about God's choice, God's will to do even better than just fixing the creation, to do even better than just giving us the king we always wanted, but to fix that other brokenness that came all the way back in Genesis, the brokenness when Adam and Eve departed from God, and they fell into sin, and all of us who come from Adam and Eve are owned by sin as well on our own. And we fall into it. And in that God said, I will not only heal the world, but I will pay the debt for your sin. And so that's what we see, this king that's coming. If you look in Isaiah, the very first part we see that is so strange, it's so impossible, it doesn't seem right, is in 1 through 3. The king is coming. What's it going to be like? He's going to be awesome and beautiful. Like, we want a big king, Right? We, want, we want a beautiful king, movie stars like Tom Cruise is apparently like this tall and they have to like do things to manipulate because we want somebody who's big and beautiful. We want somebody who's noticeable. We want somebody who stands out. You're like, I want him to be my king. But what does it say in 1 through 3? It says that he's nothing like that. In 1 through 3, it says that he grew up and he had no former majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This is, who is this? Why is this person coming? I wanted that king. But what else does Isaiah tell us that is surprising? The king was supposed to be righteous and victory and go win. But in four through nine, what do we read? He's He's carried our griefs, He's carried our sorrows, He's borne our griefs. Yeah, we looked at Him and thought He was terrible, stricken. We thought God was after Him. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was all the punishment that brings us peace, and by His wounds we are healed. We aren't healed by His victories. We're healed by His wounds. I didn't want a king who was going to lose. I wanted the king who was going to win. Where's my victor? But 10 through 12 tells us there is victory, but still it's not the victory I wanted. I don't be healed by his wounds. I want to be healed by his win. I don't want to live in the kingdom of his death. I want it to be victory in life, and yet what does it say there? It says that he's victorious in his death. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. And the will of the Lord shall prosper his hand. His victory comes out of the anguish of his soul. He shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, for he will bear their iniquities. In his death, he's victorious. This isn't the king I wanted. This is the lamb. And that's why John the Baptist, when he sees him, you see it in John 1, 29. The first time that Jesus is seen by John the Baptist, he says, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This isn't what Israel was waiting for. It isn't what they thought they were getting. Now, is it there? Yes, it's there. And I think, as we'll see next week, I would love to be there in some of those conversations when Jesus first and the apostles later and many people afterwards went to look back in the Old Testament and said, oh, we should have seen it coming. But you ought to be a little sympathetic here that if you hear a king is coming and he's going to win and you hear uh, a guy's going to come along and we're not going to notice him much and then he's going to die... Like, you wouldn't be like, yeah, those are the same people. That's not your first thing that you would do. By the grace of God, they are. But the thing that we want to do, the other reason we want to go back and be sympathetic is we also want to learn, how am I like them? See, Jesus came and he looked little compared to the expectations of the people. But what he did was big, huge, far bigger. They just wanted a king, but a king would have left their sins unredeemed and the temple would have been on and on and on and on again. Payment, payment, payment. Jesus didn't bring the kingdom right away. He never wore a crown. And yet, by what he did that didn't look big, something magnificent was done that you and I, by putting our faith in him, by saying to him, Lord, forgive me, can have our sin with him on that cross then. And that all of that again and again and again and again of guilt is gone. You're set free. In Christ, it's paid for. That you can now stand knowing, holding firm, that he did something far bigger than just make a kingdom. He set you free because he loved you, because he wanted this. You notice in Isaiah over and over again, it's God wanting us and sending the son and the son willing to go because he wanted you and me. And so we can be set free. And there's no more again and again and again of guilt. Even in the truth that every day I sin and I won't even make it a home, I'm sure. And you won't either, so I feel okay. We are still sinners, and yet what God has done is said, I've covered it. Live for me, not so you can be right with me, but because you are right with me. And I love you so much, I will stay faithful, and I will continue forgiving. It's not your work, it's my work. So now, come on, let's live for each other. See, sometimes we want things that look big, but are actually little. The Hebrews wanted something. It's a good something. It's coming. Christ, God said, I'm going to restart the kingdom. I'm going to put Christ on the crown. And we would say now, Jesus is on the throne. He's in the throne, the heavenly throne now. It's already true that the kingdom has started. But it's not yet completely fulfilled here on earth. But very often, we want something that looks big. It would look bigger right now from right here if right then Jesus had taken his crown. And taken his throne. But if he had done it that way without the cross, it would have been smaller even though it looked bigger. And the way we need to go back and be like the people hearing this word is to say, what are the areas in my life where what I'm seeking from God looks big to me, but it's actually little? It looks big. Fix my life right now. Fix this problem at work. Fix our country. Fix the world. Fix the pandemic. And those are big things. But they're not as big. They're not as big as you having a God who sets you free from the guilt of your sin. And sometimes we miss those things that don't look that big what if I was just redeemed in a bad life instead of given a good life? And where we can miss it, even as Christians, even knowing the gospel, is those places where what we seek is not first to rejoice, first to rejoice in the great good news that the big stuff has been done. And the little stuff that looks big is coming. And as you go to Christmas... It's easy for Christmas to be this bad time. We hear those stories all the time. This is one of the worst times of the year for so many people in the church and outside of the church. And you know what? It's it's often because of real big things, trouble with family. That's a big thing. This year with the pandemic, we still don't even know if we can go see family because we don't know who's going to be able to travel and where we're going to go. It feels like a big thing. The pandemic feels like a huge thing. Look how many people it's affected politics the news just everything feels so big and it weighs on us and at the holidays we feel this like i ought to be joyful and i actually feel way worse than that and then that just piles even more on top of us let me add being guilty for not being happy on top of the already feeling bad because that'll help but look, that's the way it goes, and it's not, because, it's not because we ought to just say, I don't care about that stuff. It really is big stuff, and God really is going to fix the world. But the reason we go joyfully into Christmas is because he did fix the big stuff. When you go on Christmas morning, you may not be with the people you want to be with. <laughs> and you may be with the people you ought to be with, and you wish you weren't with them. Christmas can be hard. May not have been a good year. I know for many people this has been a terrible year. Your joy in Christmas isn't in the circumstances. Israel didn't get their big king. They got a lamb. But the joy comes, and the lamb did come. And now we're on the other side of it, and we know why he came. Because over and over and over again, those lambs went to the temple to pay for the people. And God said, I'm stopping that. There's no more again and again and again. And if you don't know the gospel, if you don't know Christianity, maybe you're wanting the big stuff fixed, or maybe you feel like you are the big stuff and you just want yourself fixed. Teach me how to fix myself. That's actually not the message of of Christianity. Yes, we have a, a word from God that tells us, hey, live like me. But it's not so that we can be made right. The gospel, the good news is the good news that we heard there in Isaiah. That God knew we couldn't do it. He knew you couldn't do it. He knew you'd never make it. And he sent his own son to be a lamb. To do it for you. And all of that, this is what it's supposed to be like is good and important, and we read it, but we only read it after we know. Christ has set us free. The again and again and again of our guilt is done. And that little lamb, nothing like we expected, did far more than we could ever have imagined. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the lamb, you, you get with him, Jesus Christ, the king. But you ought to want Jesus Christ, the lamb, even more because it's the lamb that pays for your sin. It's the lamb that pays the price. It's the lamb that covers the guilt. It's the lamb that sets you free. So if you're here with us as we close in prayer, if you don't know that Jesus, the Jesus you know is the one who wants you to do a little better and a little better and a little better and it feels like the more you do, the more you fail, hear about this little lamb. He didn't come to boss you around. He came to set you free, that you could freely join his kingdom and serve with his people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being the king, and thank you for sending the lamb. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see your word in your word. To go back and to read in the Old Testament, to hear the history of us, the history of the people that you have called, the people that you've redeemed, the people that you've set free. Lord, as we celebrate what you've done or as we struggle in our lives with what is undone and still broken, Lord, help us to want what's big, to rejoice in what's big, to be joyful at Christmas knowing that you came and knowing that you're coming again. Lord, we also pray that we would be, that we'd be reminded that you do work in the little things as well that look big to us, and I pray that you'd bring healing, bring healing to this congregation and to the world, divisions and pandemics. Lord, we know that the full healing is coming in the end, but give us a taste as well, as we remember that you've given us the fullness of righteousness through your lamb, our God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio recording produced by Truth Point Church. We encourage you to distribute this to as many people as you'd like, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information about our ministry or to subscribe to our podcast, please visit our website at www.truthpoint.org.